0: Welcome, my pretties. Come in, have a seat, as we spill this tea on true crime and other miscellaneous macabre. I'm Autumn. I'm Haley. And this is Don't You Know. Today we're going to be talking about Chris Kyle, America's greatest naval sniper. Today we are covering the tragic death of this American hero, who survived four tours through Iraq, only to be murdered on his home soil. He was moited.
1: So there's a trigger warning for mentions of moita death,
0: and war. Listen here, see? It's a trigger here. I'm podcasting here. <laughs> Watch out, New York. We're coming for you. And now that is a Midwesterner trying to do a New York accent. You need to sit down. Sit down, boy. Chris Kyle was born
1: April eighth, nineteen 1974 to Wayne and Deborah Kyle. His father was a hard-working church deacon, and his mother was a Sunday school teacher, raising their children on a ranch in Odessa, Texas. As a child, he loved to hunt deer with his father, citing that even in his youth he was a sure shot. He was a rough-and-tumble lad who loved God, country, and family with all his heart, and he was loyal to them all. He would often find himself in scraps with other boys defending little kids he saw getting bullied, like his brother. As he grew older, Chris would discover a talent for taming horses going on to join rodeo competitions for busting broncos. If he wasn't playing cowboy, he would have been working on the ranch for his father. In an unfortunate event during a rodeo, Chris was bucked off of a horse and broke his wrist. This led to him retiring after putting a few wins beneath his belt.
0: Good cowboys do get put down
1: sometimes. Yeah. Good thing that those pins in the wrist didn't...
0: Country boy, I love you. (laughs) Have you seen that video? I uh, have no. Oh, it's an old throwback to the old meme, gifts GIF days, fine days. If you remember, you're the real OG. Country boy, I love you. I
1: probably did see it once upon a time. <laughs> but just don't remember. I'll show you after. It's... He graduated from high school in 1992 and had considered going into the military, specifically the Marines, because he wanted to see action. Chris seemed, like a still th- Chris seemed like a thrill seeker, you know. Always ready for the next challenge to prove himself fierce.
0: Well, he's a cowboy.
1: He was very much a cowboy. Hardworking, dedicated,
0: grumpy. Cowboy.
1: <laughs> seemed like he was. So, right on, man. His family wanted him to go to college, and he did eventually see the benefit in this. So, he studied to be a ranch manager while also working for a David L. on a ranch. School and work all day, every day, and though he enjoyed this life, he would soon find that he wanted to explore other opportunities. He didn't find studying to be his calling, so he quit school to pursue his original plan and join the military. In 1996, he made his way down to recruiters at a mall and sat down with a marine recruiter. He was discouraged after finding out how long it would take to become a sergeant that would qualify for special forces, so, so he left without signing up. That's when a Navy recruiter called him into his office, where he would hoodwink he convinced Chris to turn down the signing bonus to make himself look good, as cited in um, his autobiography. Even though he hoodwinked him, he also enticed him into signing up for the Navy SEALs. As Chris was intrigued by the description of the BUDS training and the fortitude it would take to be in the 10% of the graduating class.
0: He was like, I'm smart, but I want to be seen as smarter.
1: He had a drive to fight. like I mean, a a real warrior spirit. He was ready for it from the get-go. Yeah, It's all all he could think about, really, when you read his autobiography, he was just...
0: That's what I'm being.
1: I want to fight. I'm a soldier. He was very good at it. But, sad to say, uh, after his physical, he was rejected from the Navy for the pins in his wrist. So, of course, he was disappointed, but he decided to focus on being a ranch hand. His pay was doubled, and he was going to full-time. He knew he was good at it, and since he enjoyed being a cowboy, the transition shouldn't be too hard. He would go back to work for David, but before he could finish packing up and move on, he was called back by the Navy and asked if he was still interested in becoming a SEAL. So off he went to basic training, the first step in his military career. They were like, wait a minute, you know what, we're desperate, we'll take you, <laughs> pins, pins in the wrist and all.
0: You can do it.
1: <laughs> he could do it in spite of it, like that the, the, didn't slow him down, obviously. Yeah.
0: Went through Four tours.
1: Four tours. Uh, over 150 training. kills. Yeah. Like, the training, the way it's described in this book, I'm like, there's no fucking way. Yeah. Get Like, you get waterboarded. You have to build up a tolerance and learn how to navigate through tear gas. It's
0: crazy.
1: Like, you're constantly getting shit on and yelled at and exhausted, no sleep. I'm like, I, no, I'm... Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I'm a princess. Fuck it's, that. I like, I'm I, tough, but not... Yeah, clearly, I didn't <laughs> not, join the Navy... No, that's just hard. Go for it. He thrived in the routine and challenges that were the foundation of a soldier's life. In his autobiography, he talks about how they were pushed to their limits in swimming, diving, waterboarding, building a tolerance, and a skill to withstanding tear gas. At one point, he would fracture his wrist but refuse a cast because he didn't want to delay his training. There was also a time when he had nitrogen poisoning, poisoning from a diving exercise. He would endure all of this with strength and determination and graduate to becoming a SEAL. In April 2001, Chris was patronizing a San Diego bar with some of his friends. It is there that he would meet Taya and instantly become infatuated with her, if not full-blown in love. They would banter back and forth until the wee hours of the morning before they would part ways, only after Taya vomited on his shoes. That just made him want her all the more. They played cat and mouse for a time before they got married and went on to have two children, a son and a daughter. Obviously, being in a military family, it's extremely difficult, and Chris did his best er, Chris does not gloss over this in his book. He often felt torn between the two responsibilities of his choices, but gave his best effort to be in two places at once. Throughout his military career, he would serve four tours through Iraq. He was discharged in 2009, where he would be awarded, according to him, two silver stars and six bronze stars. However, the Navy disputes this, and they required that in his book he acknowledge the dispute, Going back and forth, like, when he was just discharged, his discharge papers, his DD2, DD-214, mm-hmm. did cite um, two, star, two silver stars and six bronze stars, mm-hmm. I, b- I believe was, like, the original one. But then the Navy came back some years later and was like, no, there's a discrepancy. You've only got one silver star and three bronze stars. Mm. So there's, like, theories that perhaps he was awarded some of those medals for secret operations that oh, can't be disclosed to the public.
0: Maybe. And
1: yeah. he put his foot in his mouth saying it publicly, sort of. Yeah. Or that one of the two, either the Navy's lying or he's lying to embellish his medals. With it. I mean, he I... was pretty impressive regardless. Yeah. Like, like the snipers having to kill. He was an important You know, dude. people, yeah. Like it came about. He was a pretty good guy.
0: From what it seems like, you know. I mean, I didn't know him, obviously. Well, when you have even any stars, I feel like you could be seen as a good person.
1: Yeah. Having to go through and do the things, the trials of war, he doesn't pull any punches when he talks about what he had to go through in the military and what it was like in war.
0: Yeah. He he said it pretty loud. Yeah. I'm sure he could even say it louder.
1: Yeah. And then just the having to, like, compartmentalize the way you have to think about your opponent in ways that justify the killing of them. Yeah. You know, in, his, in his book, he cited that he would call them savages and they really, like, dehumanize each other. Obviously, both sides are dehumanizing the other.
0: Well, they, We're all coffin
1: fodder in a rich man's game.
0: They do talk in the movie and I'm not sure in the autobiography, but the movie that they described as first kill... Being a... A
1: woman, yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, In his autobiography, he does cite that she was coming out and did have the, I don't know what it's called, but that... The bomb. Yeah. Grenade launcher or something. something, Yeah. And that he had to take her down and she was holding her son.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't believe that... uh, In the movie, the... They had a
0: little boy in yeah, her, they and the dramatized boy started, like he shot the boy, Yeah, the girl took it, and then he had to shoot the girl. Yeah.
1: Traumatizing. For sure. <laughs> Regardless. Yeah. He did many great things throughout his military career, like I said, awarded um, all of those medals. Now that he was retired in 2009, he had time to pursue his other interests. He would go on to write his autobiography that detailed the grittiness of military life. It is truly a terrific insight into a terrible part of reality. I I really had to put it into perspective while reading because, you know, some of the ways he talks about, like I said, the the Iraqi people and how you compartmentalize and live with the horrors of war.
0: He definitely didn't see anything good. Like, he didn't have a positive outlook on where he was. So it's, I, it's war. It's awful.
1: Yeah. But he settled into home life. Ever the warrior spirit, he would volunteer to help veterans. And this is how the, mo- the mother of Eddie Ruth found him. She, she said, you know, she asked him, hey, will you help out my son? He's having a hard time acclimating. He's a bit troubled. So he agrees. He's like, yeah, you know, me and my friend will uh, we'll take him out to the range with us and yeah. you know, just kind of see what the vibe is. Yeah. This was in 2013. Chris and his friend Chad Littlefield would take Eddie out to the gun range for an afternoon of camaraderie and shooting. Eddie says that during that time he was under extreme mental stress and was psychotic when the murders happened, but he still knew better. He had a paranoid disorder that was exacerbated by being drunk and stoned at the time according to a psychologist that was interviewed during the trial. When Eddie explained why he shot the two men, he stated that they wouldn't talk to him, that he felt like they were going to kill him first, and allegedly quoted in his police interview, I went for him, meaning Kyle, first because he could clearly identify me. If I did not take his soul down, he would take down mine. The ranger that took his interview states that Eddie said he knew it was wrong to kill them and that he wished he hadn't done it, and if he could apologize to the families, he would.
0: Yeah, that's a little late. It, Yeah, it is definitely late, but I, it just shows it's... the trauma that war brings you to. Trauma, yes.
1: I know he had the PTSD, but it still seems like such a petty answer. Yeah. No, they weren't totally. talking to me.
0: Yeah, so I shot them.
1: So I shot them in the back yeah. while they were out there trying to help with me.
0: Yeah. Took time out of their day to help you. It's a
1: fucked-up world. Yeah. But he knew what he was doing was wrong, so he was convicted and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. May Chris Kyle and Chad Littlefield rest in peace and many blessings to their families.
0: Yeah, you can't... Definitely can't uh, dispute that he did great things.
1: No, absolutely not. You saw pictures of his funeral that... Uh,
0: yeah, that... Yeah, it was crazy. Definitely yeah. if you, you know, yeah. watch <clears throat> the parade down the highway, it's very emotional. You, it's raw emotion if you can handle it, it, but it's definitely you just saw the impact that he had. And like it gets me every time. The movie not for me. It's not for me. <laughs> yeah, that's not my genre. Um I fell asleep. She, she fell asleep. <laughs> I, I was just muddled in panic the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not that it was a bad movie. No, no, no. It's not. It's my just not for me. It's not my cup of tea. Uh, but it does go in... I looked up a, a small statistic, and it might not be true because it was just a little research. But it said that the movie was only fifty-two percent accurate, which obviously the movie includes a lot of war, and they're not going to put war film <laughs> in the movie. Like it's no, be it's not documentaries. It's going to be, like, it's it's It was embellished. It was dramatized, you but know. But the baseline of the story is pretty accurate to what his book was. Yeah. It was just dramatized for the drama. Yep. Out on the roof, serving his country. And I'm sure the just watching it the way we were watching, if it was any tenth of that bad.
1: Yeah. I mean, <sighs> even if that is a drama, you know, yeah. like, If they're exaggerating it, it's still pretty fucking... It's still fucked up, man. (laughs) But, fuck. I've got one note here. So, there's an annual rodeo held in honor of Chris in Texas. I love that. Yeah. The proceeds are donated to a charity called Base Camp 40 that helps struggling veterans. It was established in 2014. I do recommend reading his autobiography. It's, uh, like I said, a very good insight into someone who's been out there and living two different lives. I mean,
0: yeah, being they, a soldier,
1: being a husband, a father.
0: They really only briefly in the movie referenced his transition time between tours. Yeah. So, like, he'd come home from a tour, and it was a very quick, I'm Like, home. 12 hours turnaround. Yeah. I'm home disassociated, not really present, I'm back. And then the same thing, and then the same thing.
1: It's very much like that in his book, too. Like, if he wasn't out in the field, he was thinking about being out in the field. When he retired, he felt like he was betraying his unit and all of his mates.
0: Yeah. Because he wasn't out there with them. When he could have been. Yeah. Even though... But his
1: body was also, like, breaking down. He had to have knee surgery... So they had to go in and cut a tendon and shaved on kneecaps and like. And he was le- younger than 38 years old. Yeah, he was, I do believe, 38 when he was murdered. So that'll happen before 38. And that's a lot of damage I mean, on a body. A lot. he has got the body of a 60 year old man. Yeah. Seen nightmares.
0: Yeah. They and then coming back didn't... to a
1: domestic life, like.
0: Def- I can't yeah. imagine. I just, I'm like, they definitely didn't not dramatize the last bit of what was like. This is it. I'm going home. Yeah. Like, if you watch the movie, spoiler, spoiler alert. This is obviously dramatized, but it's also going to say like the big moment in the movie. But like, it's tear gas. It's it. They describe his longest shot, which was two hundred and two two thousand five hundred meters away, or something like that. His longest um, chat. Research on the pod. <laughs> research on the pod. We're going to do the research on the pod. What's this guy's? Chris Kyle. Longest sure. 1.2 miles. Damn. Yes. I saw so- some eagle eyes. Yeah, so basically, in the movie, they describe him as he, they're all set up, they drive there, and the, one of them gets shot, and now they all got to set up, right, they're going to war, get, about to get to active shooting time, and then they get all set up in the house, and he sees the motherfucker that's been shooting all his patroon mm-hmm. uh, p- p- platoon. Platoon? That keeps shooting all the motherfuckers in this platoon. So, this guy, right, he sees it. And his little buddy who's telling him, like, it's your call, it's your call, right? I don't know exactly what that guy's called, but that guy. <sighs> Sorry, I'm not. I'm just describing the movie, okay? The movie's <laughs> only 80, 52% accurate, okay? <laughs> and you're only 12% accurate. Okay. But that's okay. <laughs> okay, so the guy who's saying, yep, you can go is like, don't fucking do it. Don't fucking do it, man. Don't fucking take the shot, you're going to give us away. Don't fucking do it, it's too far away. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And he gets a clear shot, and he fucking takes it from 1.2 miles away. And basically it's a big dramatization of, you know, they get found out, and now it's a shooting battle, people are dying, grass is flying, uh, helicopter flies over, they bomb, now there's smoke everywhere. And very traumatizing to try to get out of that situation. He almost gets left behind. And that's when he calls his wife and says, honey, I'm coming home. I can't. I'm sorry. I'm coming home. I'm done. I'm ready to come home. So it's like, in the movie, if that was truly what happened or what that moment looked like for him, because obviously he couldn't just say, I'm going home and go home. He had to finish out that tour. Yeah. So- but that moment when you're like, "This is going to be my last tour," I am not. I'm not I can't doing do it again this anymore.
1: I mean, he's, he's, like, you get really close with them.
0: Like, yeah, but I can't imagine that being that them. moment. Like, uh, even half as scary as what that scene looked like. Right. To be that moment for him, I'm sure it's just crazy different. So, and that's the world's eighth longest confirmed kill shot by a single sniper. Top so, ten, baby. Top ten. I wonder who is the first. The longest shot ever recorded was made by an
1: unnamed JTF-2 sniper during the Iraqi Civil War in 2017. The shot took down an Islamic State insurgent in 2004, but few other details have been disclosed. It was 2,310 meters.
0: Damn. How much is that in? You want me to match? Just look up what 208 meters is. <laughs> 1.4 miles. Oh, so they were, they were, we're talking between 1.2 miles and 1.4 miles. Maybe that was an extra windy day. Well, no, I'm saying like, you're, the top 10 are getting close. Yeah. It's not like one's at 1. 1.2 miles and the other one's at 5.8. They're within a couple meters. That's crazy. That is, and I can't even see what's in front of me. <laughs> like my computer. <laughs> Bug. Go. I got astigmatism. I can shoot what's two of me. I can shoot what's two two feet in front of me. I can shoot that, baby. That's generous. <laughs> it is. Give me a car. I can run that and run shit over. What was that, Tensie? <laughs> Beep bump, sorry. Was that a deer? What was that? I don't know. No looking back. What was that? I don't know. I can't oh, see the it. The bitch behind me, she was big <laughs> I was high. Oh my gosh. Shout out to uh, Them people. Them people, you know who you is. I'm sorry, he was lying. <laughs> high on this tear gas. What was that? I don't know. Uh, can you imagine? She's crying now. <laughs> Shit. That's a <laughs> I Shit. Uh-uh. I don't think. Can you imagine? Okay, like obviously, heart ha- hearts go out to the family, but can you imagine if we were in war? Together. Me and you? <laughs> just as They gave us a car. We had the uniforms, and we're just riding around like, what are you doing today? I might kill some bitches later. <laughs> oh, crap, me too. <laughs> Shots get fired at us. Doosh, doosh, doosh. Oh my god, Why are you so moody? Fuck, they're
1: always so passive aggressive. You want to go get a tattoo?
0: Talk? Like, do we? Do we just coffee? Do we need to go to Target? Is there a Target? in Maybe we should go to Walmart. We're better equipped. <laughs> That's really mean. Oh, your insurance is gonna pay for that, bitch. because yeah, we all gotta pay for that. No, it's the American tax dollar. Do 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 political.
1: Oh. Don't need to see action. We are not battle
0: worthy. If they put but me we in can battle, make- oh, that's a mistake on that. Also, whale, I'm like the beluga whale. You're going to see me in the camo. Yeah, that's just we have other... This episode is going to come out pretty close to... Um, Feast was, Day. Yes, Thanksgiving, but also Veterans Day was just, just recently passed. So shout out to all the veterans out there. Absolutely. We have many in our family. Our parents are veterans, so shout out to the Navy because they both met in the Navy and were in the Navy and they totally were on submarines and stuff. They weren't on submarines. No, they weren't. They were on naval boats. They were above ground. They weren't underground. (laughs) They weren't even in the ground. Dude, they were on the water. Dude, you're killing my vibe, bro. I was trying to thank the Navy people. Okay, you were right. They weren't under the water. They were on top of the water, but floating kind of in between. Okay, they were kind of under the water. They were on a vessel that was floating between the waters. Yes, and they worked the engine, so they were they were down below sea level. So you're not incorrect, mm-hmm. but you're also not accurate. I'm trying to be a boat sound that didn't <laughs>
1: sound like
0: a boat. It's like Dory. You speak with hello. Maybe I'll I'll put a sound in of what I'm thinking of. The it's like a sponge the sponge drop yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll find a sound. I'll try to put it in. If you don't hear it, this part's gonna be cut out anyway. Do you want to? want to? No, I'm saying wanna... if I can't find it, I'm gonna cut oh. this part out because it'll be irrelevant. <laughs> okay. You don't <laughs> want to make weird noises, it people. Me. <laughs> the
1: pod, please enjoy our stupidity. Just a
0: little
1: bit. Yeah, got a little bit. what we're doing. Funny. Um, it was nice to get away from the serial killers.
0: Yeah, I mean.
1: Not that his death I, wasn't we tragic. yeah,
0: his death was tragic for deads. sure. Yeah, both of them. So there was two people that died. Um, I again strongly recommend going to watch that funeral parade. It was, it was, lively. You felt it. It, it, it. If you want to feel something, go feel something. Um, he was also a pretty handsome, man. He was a handsome little man. Well, not little. He was. He was not little. He was a tall, tall man. Yeah. Six, five or something like that. Six, three. Tall man. But he's a handsome man. Not a tall, handsome man. And handsome women. <laughs> <laughs> Inclusive ish. As always, thank you for turning in, t- tuning in to our podcast of the Miscellaneous Macabre. And don't you know, I'm Autumn haley and don't forget to lock your doors bye rolling 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 and rolling keep rolling rolling, rolling.